Hey, I hope you noticed when you came in, we've had over the last two weeks, uh, during the week, on the weekends, um, a lot of people. I, I count at least 28 people who have helped us on our work days to just brighten this place up and to uh, work on the outside. So if you haven't, take a look on your way out. We still have a couple more things to do that are going to make it even look better, but um, probably a good 200 man hours and woman hours that were uh, invested in this place. And uh, so we we got some great work done, but really enjoyed being together and working um, on these projects and enjoyed the results. Uh, Laura always spent half of her waking hours on her birthday yesterday uh serving at a work day so good for <laughs> thank you laura for doing that and for everybody who showed up and and did those things just thank you for all your work it, it looks really good um hey a, a, a month or so from now on october 22nd or 23rd we're gonna have a marriage conference here at the church um it was covid bumped like everything else was covid bumped from the spring uh, it's going to be Friday evening, uh, part of the day on Saturday. We'll have child care available for it. We know that in, in our church, we have some marriages that are in crisis, right? And we know that we have some marriages that are in chaos. Maybe it's just the chaos of busyness. Um, and we know um, that we have marriages that need attention. And every marriage could use a great date night. So... <laughs> Uh, wherever you fall on that scale, we would love to have you here and uh, just an investment in your marriage that weekend. And so you can do that online, get in touch with us. If you don't, do the online part and we'll get you signed up October 22nd and 23rd. We'd love to have you for that. Now we're in the middle of a series on the life of the biblical character Joseph. Okay, I want you to think with me, 17 years that's how long Joseph lived in the home of his father with his brothers uh, in the first part of his life before he was sold by his brothers as a slave. Okay? 13 years. That's how long he has been separated from his family when we pick up in Genesis chapter 41. I want you to open your Bibles with me there to Genesis chapter 41. Okay. He spent at this point nearly as long in his life as a prisoner as he did previously as a son in his father's home. Okay. So 13 years as a slave, 13 years of building credibility, rising in the ranks, and then being falsely accused and going back to ground zero. 13 years of starting over. 13 years of faithful endurance. Okay? That's where we pick up um, in the story. Remember, we left off last week where Joseph had interpreted the dreams of the baker and the chief cupbearer for Pharaoh. They had been put into prison, his prison. He was given oversight over them. He noticed they were sad. They told him why and told him they'd had a dream. He interpreted those dreams and then said, remember, when you get out of here, <laughs> remember me. You're my ticket out of this life that I've had. And yet, when we dropped out of the text in our story, in chapter 40, verse 23 last week, we read these words. The chief cupbearer, remember he's the one who lived, however, did not remember Joseph. 
he forgot him. And so that was 11 years after he'd been sold into slavery. And so when you flip the page, or at least the chapter, to chapter 41, and we begin in verse 1, we start with these words, when two full years had passed. Okay, so he's 13 years now as a slave. That's where we pick it up. Two years since his ticket out of the prison got out of the prison, but he stayed. It says Pharaoh had a dream after these two full years. He was standing by the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came, out out of the, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek cows, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Take note of verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. I'm guessing that that was like 730 days of Joseph who thought about his shortcomings. But on that day, he was reminded of his shortcomings. Verse 10, and Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh was once angry with his servants. And he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quick, quickly brought from the dungeon. Now, thinking that now is the time this is all going to unfold God's plan is one thing. Having a two-year delay of that, that's a whole nother thing. And that's where we find Joseph, two years before he would ultimately gain his freedom. And in this chapter, he's going to run the gamut from being a slave to being a national leader, second in charge of the whole nation of Egypt. And we think, every time we read another chapter, we think, ah, the story pivots here, which it does. It just pivots a lot because every time is an opportunity to shrink back or to step up, much like our lives that we live as well. And listen, I mean, the part of going from a slave to second in command of Egypt, like that's an amazing thing in itself. Right? I mean, that's something that we're watching God do what only God can do, and yet just as amazing to us. I think should be the recognition that Joseph didn't blame God, and he continued to serve God. Like, it set him apart in so many ways. Joseph learned what we have to learn, and that is that God is working on our behalf but we have to trust him. That's a big, tall order some days. But the bigger one maybe is we also have to learn to wait for him. 
That's where most people tap out. I mean, two years have passed since the cupbearer left the prison. Thirteen years um, have passed since the time Joseph last saw his father. And during that time, we've watched his life as he's been blessed and he's been cursed. He's been rewarded and he's been disciplined. He's been promoted, but he's also been falsely accused. And through it all, we've watched him keep his faith. But remember, when things start to unfold for him later in this chapter, like he's still a prisoner. He's still in a dungeon. He still doesn't know God's plan. He's still waiting for something to happen. And that's where a lot of us can identify with his story because in that season of waiting, it's, it's such a challenge. And I would submit that although the cupbearer had forgotten about Joseph, God hadn't forgotten about him. Prompted by the dream, the cupbearer remembers his time with Joseph. From our vantage point, what we know is that God has not been passive. He's actually been active during the waiting time. Joseph just couldn't see it. And such a great truth for us to remember. Okay? And I think God's sovereignty, like his rule over all things, is so highlighted in the fact um, that the, the cupbearer did forget Joseph for those two years. But at just the right moment, he, he remembered him. I mean, what if he had remembered him when he got out of prison? Where would Joseph be at that point? How available would he be for God's plan? What direction might his life have gone? But it was, it was God's sovereignty over all the things that would happen that put Joseph in a place to actually be used during this time. Okay? And what I don't want us to miss is that God is able to unfold his plan, not just for Joseph. Remember, this is his plan for a whole nation of people, but he can do that because Joseph remained faithful, because he remained engaged with God even during those difficult years of struggle. He, he was positioned to be used by God because he stayed faithful to God. Now, like you and, and I know, we have some people in our church and in our lives um, who are going through some incredibly difficult times in their personal lives, in their marriages, in their occupations, in their finances, in their families. Some just simply related to their, their literally their physical health, and these are times of challenge. And I would submit that if we want to receive God's best, even when it seems like we're not in a place because we're not experiencing God's best, we are going to have to learn to be faithful and to endure during the seasons of waiting, trusting that God's timing is all part of this process. And listen, I, I mean, I, along with many others, can testify to the value of sticking with God 
during the difficult times and remaining faithful so that when the time comes, you're in a place where God can actually use you in some ways. And listen, I can give you a whole list of people who will tell you that they have missed out on God's best because they abandoned ship, because they went another path, because they chose a simpler, somewhat seemingly easier path and strayed away from God. And when things were ready to unfold, their first step was to get right with God, not to be used by God. And so life is difficult in some of those choices. Remember the words that David wrote during a time, I think, of desperation in Psalm 24, um, Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. David wrote this in a very difficult and dark time in his life. He said, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Before I die, while I'm still alive, while I'm in the land of the living, I'm still going to see God do something out of all this mess that I find myself in. So his encouragement for us in verse 14 then, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take courage and wait for the Lord. I sense that Joseph shared that hope. That he stayed committed to God even during the difficult season of waiting. And I believe that we can too, with God's help, do that. So as the story unfolds, next we're going to see something that that would certainly be a twist in our world. But we're going to see Joseph show himself to be faithfully humble. Okay, Pick up with me in verse 14, the end of it that we left off at. It says, when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Now, I don't particularly like that that particular translation. It almost says like, you name it and God will do it. (laughs) But what it really means is God will give Pharaoh the true meaning of the dream. He'll, tell you, he'll be able to tell you what it meant. Okay. Now, Joseph was not planning, I don't think, to meet Pharaoh that day. I think he woke up and said, today is my lucky day. Okay. Because while he was in charge of the place that he lived and he'd risen to that level, he still lived in a prison. Okay. Some of your versions would translate that he actually lived in a dungeon, it's called. And since the, the Egyptian people didn't wear beards like the Hebrew people did of the day. He had to shave, he had to change his clothes, and he had to prepare to meet the Pharaoh. Now imagine his anticipation, right? Two-year delay, or 13-year delay, depending on which way you're counting. And what, how would we prep him for that day? Now remember, best foot forward, smile, you know, tell him all the good things you can do, lay out your resume there, make yourself attractive, make yourself hireable, and he's going to get you out of here, Right? But he starts this by saying, I can't do it, (laughs) but God will help you. Now, unusual even in itself, in in Egypt, the pharaohs were were considered to be, quote, gods, okay? So it was unusual that a pharaoh would have a dream and have to ask someone to interpret that dream because, after all, if he was a god and the message came from the gods, who, who would he ask? Just ask himself, right, if he really had those powers, But he didn't, of course. And so, since he had no clue, he he called the people who were supposed to be able to interpret their dreams. 
And they didn't have a clue. So he was extremely troubled. I mean, the dream in ancient times was seen um, as a message that came from God. Okay? And if it was repeated, it was seen as even more significant or more special in that way. And so, so here Joseph shows up to his interview, if you would. And he shows again, he just has this wisdom and special favor from God. And it shows up through Joseph and that not only is he able to interpret this dream, but as we're going to read later on, he then also gives him a plan about how this dream uh, could actually um, be planned for and strategized in a way that was actually going to bless the nation. And I just, um, what I really appreciate here is how special Joseph is, and yet Joseph is quick to deny that he's anything special. I mean, he is, but he says he's not. Instead, he says, like anything I can do, any of my special abilities, they come from God. So God's the one who, who will provide the answer. I mean, don't you appreciate when you see someone who is just so talented or so special or so gifted or so blessed in different ways that that they just um, but they're humble and they're the first ones to tell you that you know any unique role I have any unique position I have any unique talent I have any unique resources that I have they are all simply a gift from God given to me so that I can bless other people they fall in love with that person and their attitude. And that's what we have here with Joseph. In fact, some of us are in small groups that are um, going through this, the, the study that Josh put together for us. We're tying in questions and things related to our text. So we're going to get to unfold that particular question this week with regard to um, our attitude about the things we, that God has given us and how they're to be used. But I hear in Joseph's... Um, response and his reply I hear the words from Mordecai to his niece Esther in Esther chapter 4 verse 14 when faced with a challenge and an opportunity depending on which side of the coin you were looking at Mordecai says to Esther do not you think that God has brought you to this place for such a time as this okay now we like the for such a time as this we don't like the 13 years it takes to get there but that's where Joseph finds himself, that God had done this for Joseph, and everything led up to this moment, and, and God's sovereign plan had brought everything to this place. But Joseph's humility, that's what allowed God's plan to unfold in God's way. It was Joseph's heart that let it really um, take God's direction. I know a lot of people, and probably you do too, and all of us would be included in it, many people, who have short-circuited God's plan for their lives, much less his plan for his kingdom, by seizing <clears throat> opportunities for their own good and not for God's kingdom. <clears throat> and I think it's true as I think through it, like we, ne we never... 
we never truly advance um, our greatest interests when we spend time shining the light on ourselves. It just doesn't work that way. As godly men and godly women and people who desire for God's best in our lives, we have got to acknowledge and tell others, like Joseph did, God is the source of all wisdom in our lives, and God is the source of all achievement in our lives. You're not that good, (laughs) and I'm not that good, but God is that good, and he can do it with our cooperation. And now for the fourth time in Joseph's life, as we unfold the text, we're going to see that he's faithfully rewarded. Remember the first time he he rose up to leadership among his brothers when he was still a teenager. Then he went to Potiphar's house and rose up and was put in charge of Potiphar's house. Falsely accused, goes to prison. He's raised up as the leader in the prison as well the third time. And now he's going to receive in this chapter the ultimate reward in his life. And the good thing is this time it's not going to be taken away from him. This time it's going to stick. And so Joseph interprets Pharaoh's two dreams. And he reminds him of the fact that because there were two dreams, that was God saying, this has been firmly decided. Meaning this is going to happen. There are going to be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. And then I think inspired by God, Joseph gives Pharaoh and his advisors a plan for how to live out the first seven years of abundance so that during the next seven years and beyond, not only would their people be taken care of, not only would the nation remain strong, but they would actually gain more power in the world. And Pharaoh's impressed. Look down at verse 37 to how he responds to Joseph and his plan. He said, The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God? Now, Pharaoh didn't know Joseph's God. But he knew that Joseph (laughs) had divine favor. He knew that Joseph had wisdom from God, and that's where it came from. It's the same thing that Potiphar knew. It's the same thing that the prison warden knew. You could just see that God's hand was on Joseph's life, and because of this, Pharaoh wants to keep Joseph close because when God blesses Joseph's life, he blesses the life of the people around him, and he wants to reap the benefits. And then I want you to note, how like in a moment in a snap joseph's whole life changes look down at verse 39 then pharaoh said to joseph since god has made all this known to you there is no one so discerning and wise as you you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will i be greater than you are so pharaoh said to joseph i hereby put you in charge of the whole land of egypt Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt." Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. 
Thirteen years before this, his brothers had stripped him of the special robe that his father had given him. And now Pharaoh gives him a robe of far greater significance. The ring that he gives him, the gold chain, were symbols of his authority that he was now second in command of Egypt. The chariots were like the limousines of the day. The, the people going before him would be maybe akin to, to how our officials have secret service members around them protecting them, all of these things. And, and Joseph's renaming and his marriage uh, into this priestly family, they give him a new identity. They make him Egyptian nobility. These priests of own, they were the, they were the top priests of the day, the, the most significant of all the groups. They would oversee any major celebration going on, any festival going on. And, and Joseph is now in an instant living his best life. And yet the dark events of his past um, are still lingering in his mind. And whose mind wouldn't they be, right? He recognizes the work that God has done, but realizes it comes out of 13 very dark years in his life. They're moving forward in a great way. Things are. His life is. But his road to greatness um, has been paved with tragedy and with disappointment. And, and so I tend to think of Joseph's life is being characterized, if we're thinking about faithfulness, as being faithful in spite of. Okay? Joseph had been 17 when our story began in Genesis 39. Now he's 30 years old. No doubt he felt disappointed. I, I, I have to feel that he probably felt abandoned during those 13 years, certainly confused, um, certainly angry. But I'm not sure those capture the, would capture the depth of a person's disillusionment. Like all I've done is tried to be faithful to God and this is all I've gotten to this point. And yet he never lost hope that God would help him. And, and so I added this last point, this faithful in spite of, because of these last verses we read in the chapter, verses 50 to 52. Look at this response. Before the years of famine came, it says two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering." So the names of his son, fruitful and <clears throat> forgetful and fruitful, um, I think they carry real meaning to him, obviously to him. And our understanding of where he was in his faith, all the great was unfolding, all the past was still so close. But he had remained faithful to God in spite of life's setbacks and as a result, God had helped him move past the betrayal of his brothers, past the false accusations of his accusers, and God had made him fruitful or blessed him in spite of all of his sufferings. Okay? This is what I want us to understand. God never promises to remove us from our struggles. Okay? If that's the day we're waiting for, if that's what we're actually waiting for, we will never find fulfillment to that. 
God never made that promise. He does, however, promise to journey with us through our times of struggle and to change the way we look at them. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 37, Paul says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We, we like to rewrite that verse, like apart from these things, okay? Or maybe away from these things, or our favorite version, without all these things. But that's not what the verse says. The verse says, no, in all these things. The solution isn't to avoid problems. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. The solution is to change the way we see our troubles. To let God help us see them from his perspective and give us the ability to wait and to have faith and to believe that not only will he work things out, but that God is with us in the midst of the struggle. So God is with us. The real question that we maybe need to wrestle with Uh, today or this week is am I with him am I with him we're going to pray and then we're going to sing and I hope you wrestle with that question because if you're not in a time of difficulty you're you're probably either getting ready to go into one or just coming out of one (laughs) that's how that's how the cycles of life work and some some of those cycles are longer than others and hopefully we're not in the 11 year or the 13 year cycle but we certainly might be and yet God has a plan if we stay with him and he's with us through it all so let's thank him for that and then wrestle to make sure that our heart is right so that when he unfolds his plan we can be part of that plan And like Joseph, receive his best. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, you are so good. Um, Sometimes it's hard to see in the moment. Sometimes it's maybe just hard to acknowledge in the moment because the pain or the struggle is so great because we're wrestling with our feelings and our thoughts about what is playing out in this life. But we're reminded this life is never intended to be um, the object of our hope. And this world is never intended to be our forever home. But you are worthy to be the object of our hope. And so may we take heart and be of good courage and wait for you and wait with you for your plan to unfold. And Lord, speak to us about maybe changes that might need to happen in our life to make that possible. We pray in Jesus' name.